If you have your Bibles, if you'll open up the book of Judges, chapter 6, we're going to be in Judges, chapter 6 today. I didn't say this in the first service because I didn't think about it the way I feel it right the second, because it was, you know, there were less people there in the first service, but standing up here in this service, I'm sitting here, standing here, I'm thinking, man, I love Sunset. I, I really love Sunset. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm hearing all the singing and I'm just blown away. And it, I wish you guys could see my angle and maybe you could turn around and look, but there are a lot of people here this Sunday and... Um, Man, where were you when the lights were turned back on, right? I mean, this is pretty neat. This is really neat. So I, I just want to tell you how grateful uh, I am for you, for your attendance. I mean, this is huge. Just seeing you is big. God, are you with me? Are you with me? Have you ever said it? You ever thought it? Like, God, are you with me? And in the course of my life, I have thought of this question many, many times. God, are you with? Are you really here with me? There have been times where I kind of been um, maybe jealous of Moses because I wanted a burning bush experience. I wanted God to just kind of show up and in flame, and I just just so I could know that God was with me. And it's not that I needed proof of the existence of God. The, the existence of God was not the issue. It wasn't that I needed proof of him. It was about me. I didn't know if he was with me. I know he exists. There's no question for me. I know he's real. I can't look at the creation and not go know God's real. But is God with me? Does God want to connect to me? And as I thought about that, and I've thought about that throughout my life, I find myself constantly in this endless loop. This endless loop that says, basically, I don't know if God's with me. And then once I think of that, then I think this immediately afterwards. Man, if I have doubts and lack God, then I must not have faith. And he must not be with me. Which leads me back to, is God with me? Which leads me back to around to the circle again where, man, if, if I have these questions, I know he must not be with me. And in the midst of all that kind of spinning maybe like a dog chasing its tail, I find myself really, really sad and really angry and really frustrated with a lot of doubts and a lot of fears. Have you ever been there? You ever experienced it? God, are you with me? I just, I don't know. We're doing a series called Common. We're looking at characters in the Bible who have flaws, flawed characters, because we, like them, have flaws. When I say characters, I believe these are historical people, no question about it, but they're individuals that have flaws. When I think about wonderful, amazing people in the Bible, I always think about this character, the godly warrior. This is the Old Testament hero. You guys picture the Old Testament hero. I'm thinking of one in particular. He routed multiple armies. He decimated his enemies. He delivered Israel from oppression. They even wanted to make him king, and he rejected being made king. He believed only God should be king. And I think to myself, I could get behind a guy like that. I wish I were like that. But then there's this other, there's this other list of, of character in the Bible, this other type of person. This is the weak coward. Maybe this is the guy I can relate to. This is the Old Testament failure. 
the weakest man in his family, I'm thinking of one in particular, the weakest man in his family, tested God three times, wasn't well respected, he brought the nation into idolatry, and I go, okay, that is a normal human being who makes major mistakes. And I have trouble connecting with the first character, and the second one makes sense to me a little bit better, but here's what I want you to know. Today, both of those individuals are the same person. I'm talking about one person who has both of these lists. One person, and his name was Gideon. Gideon. Now, I love the story of Gideon. I remember talking about Gideon way back. Uh, in, in fact, Lance Layton's in the back. Whenever I was his youth minister in Sudan, Texas, talked about Gideon. I mean, this is just a great, a great lesson. Carson, I see you too. Yeah, uh, just I remember being out at Sudan and talking about, talking about God using Gideon. But it never dawned on me how much he is like us. You see, I come to Scripture with my problem, and God responds, God answers. I say to God, it's not, it's not you, it's me. And I got to say, it's probably easier to believe in God than to believe God is interested in me. And here God is, and he shows himself, and he responds in the story of Gideon, because Gideon felt the exact same way. I think about God, and I think, God, if you would just show up in a burning bush, if you could just show me you the way that you showed you to Moses, then things would click. And as I read the story of Gideon, I see the exact same struggle. Would you join me in Judges chapter 6 as we read together? We're going to start in verse 11. Here's what it says. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under an oak where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Y'all remember the story? Here's Gideon. He's in the wine press and they say, excuse me, he's, he's, uh, he's in the wine press and he is making wheat, threshing wheat in the wine press. They say, that that's probably because he was a coward, he was hiding, and he's like basically in the wrong place doing the wrong job. And so here he is, and God comes to him and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Uh, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord's with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. He says, I believe you're with me, but here's the thing. What about all those stories in the Old Testament where you really showed up in power? Like the stories of Moses. When I hear this, I think Gideon is on the exact same track that I would be on. God, where are you? Where are you? In the midst of the chaos, where are you? It's not that I don't believe in God. It's that I don't believe God is interested in me. Where is God right now? Think about where is God right now. If you look around this world, you think about what's going on in this world right now, you may be asking that very question. Where's God right now? I remember the God of the Old Testament. Where's God now? 
Let's continue on. Judges chapter 6, verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of, the Mid- out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? I'm sending you, Gideon. Go for it. Here's Gideon's response. Uh, pardon me, Lord. <laughs> Gideon is so polite, by the way. Do you notice this? Pardon me, Lord, Gideon said. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my family. And the Lord answered said, him and he said, I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And you think that would be enough. But here's Gideon's response. If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's you really talking to me. The Bible is so funny sometimes. And I say it's funny. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean like the things that are said are so honest. So here's Gideon talking to God, and he says, I really need proof that you and I are actually having this conversation. Can you, can you give me a sign that it's really you talking to me? And as you guys remember in the story, God responds. God chooses to respond. He doesn't have to, but he chooses to respond, and so he makes fire come out of a rock. The same way that maybe Moses saw a fire come in, a, in the form of a burning, burning bush, here Gideon sees fire come out of a rock. And it reminds me of us sometimes. There are times we're so desperate for God. I just want God, I just want to know, is God real? And God blesses us in little ways. Have you noticed this? Like maybe you're really desperate for God and you're praying and then you see an answer and and it gives you some momentary relief or some relief and you're like, ah, yeah, yeah, God is real. And here at this very moment, Gideon has this level of relief But here's the thing, the story doesn't end there. Jump forward to Judges chapter 6, verse 22. After God tells Gideon, you're going to go now, you're going to lead the people, Gideon realized it was the angel of the Lord. Well, excuse me, let's get to this first. Gideon realizes the angel of the Lord. So this is right after the fire. Remember, God made the fire come out out of the rock. Gideon realizes it's the angel of the Lord. He says, alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And he's terrified. Now that he realizes this is actually God, He's terrified. What's God's response? The Lord said, peace, don't be afraid. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. But then we jump down to verse 36. So this is what I was about to talk about. Now Gideon is here and Gideon knows the calling. I am going to be called to go and to lead God's people, the Israelites, in the battle. And look in verse 36. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I'm going to place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there's dew only on the fleece and on the ground, if the ground's dry, then I'll know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. And that's what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung it out the dew and there was a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be wet with dew. And that night God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. It's not that I don't believe you, God. It's that I don't believe you're with me. So here's what I need you to do. I know you made fire come from a rock, but can you make a towel wet? for me. And it's kind of silly when you think about it. 
I just, I need you, I know you can do this, but can you make this towel wet for me and the ground dry? And then the next morning, can you make the towel dry and the ground wet? I, I, I read this and I think, this is us. This is us. It's very common for common people to question God's presence in their lives. Here we are and we, we see all of these proofs of God in the creation, in the word, and then, we're, and then it comes out in our prayer life. God, are you real? Could you just give me some, just some sign that you're real? It comes out in our Bible reading. We're reading along and maybe it's not connecting. And so we just say, you know, God, where are you? Are you around? It comes out in our worship. It comes out in our lives when we're sick. You know, in sickness and health and poverty and wealth as we're going through life. And we're saying, God, are you around? Are you with us? I think most everyone feels this way from time to time. Which is why this is a running theme throughout Scripture. It's a running theme throughout Scripture that says people are going to have questions. And that's okay. People are going to have doubts. And that's okay. But I want you to know that God has a response to this. God doesn't want to just leave us with the questions and doubts. He wants to respond. And so from the story, I see three things here that are interesting. Number one, I want you to see this. Gideon actually didn't need to test God. He didn't need to test God. Three times in the scripture, you know what God said to him? Gideon, I'm with you. I'm with you. Gideon, I'm sending you. Gideon, I'm with you. And we think to ourselves, well, that's so silly. Why would Gideon hear God say, I'm with you, I'm sending you, I'm with you, and question, is God with me? But you know what? We do the same thing. Haven't we heard the message of Jesus? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you always to the very end of the age. Yeah, but God, are you here? Are you real? Are you with us? It's so easy to read the passages of Scripture and not believe them. And so we read through it. God says, hey, I want you to know this. You are a temple for the Holy Spirit. I want to dwell within you. God, are you with us? You are my workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Yeah, but are you with me? Are you with me? Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you. If it weren't so, I would have told you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming back for you. Yeah, but do you care about me? Are you interested in me? I want you to know that God is good for his word. God is good for his word. There's a reason why people place their hand on the Bible when they're becoming president or standing before a judge. There's a reason. Because God is good for his word. 
You can trust the Word of God. The same God who said, let there be light, made light, and he said, let there be animals and made animals, and he says about you, you are holy, and you are righteous, and you are blameless, and when he does, you can believe him, because God is good for his Word. He's good for his Word. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Know that God will do more than you could ever ask for. Know that God will do more than you can ever ask for. Think about this once again. Here's Gideon. Gideon says to God, God, would you please let me see this towel become wet? If you could just make this towel wet, then I'll know you're real. You're with me. God's response inside, you got to imagine this is going on. You want the towel wet. I want to change the world with you. You want to see this, this trick that I can perform for you, and I want to change the world with you. We, so many times we would settle for tricks, for signs, and miss the opportunity for transformation. Miss the fact that God wants to change big things with us. I think about my desire to see a burning bush. God, would you give me a burning bush? And God's saying, did you know deep within you, I want to build a fire that will just consume you and you want to settle for a sign. It reminds me of the story of Nathaniel. You guys remember the story of Nathaniel in John chapter 1? Love this story. Here's Nathaniel. He's sitting underneath a tree. Jesus is walking by. Nathaniel's very critical of Jesus. He doesn't like believe that Jesus is Jesus. He doesn't believe he's the Christ. And Jesus is walking by. Jesus sees Nathaniel and he says, Ah, there's a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false. You guys remember the story? And Nathaniel says, oh, You're the Christ. You're the son of the most high God. And Jesus is shocked. It looks like Jesus is shocked. He says, you believe because I told you I saw you under a tree? Can I tell you this? You will see greater things than even this. You will see even greater things. You will see heaven open and the son of man ascending and descending, or excuse me, the angels ascending and descending on the son of man. What that means is this. You will see the place where God comes down to earth and it's in Jesus. It's Jacob's ladder. Stairway to heaven, you guys, at least you know the song, right? Uh, this is the place where God's coming down to earth. You're amazed that I know who you are. I am going to show you greater things than even that. And we think, well, God hasn't showed us anything great. Yeah, he has. Yes, he has. He's transforming hearts. Hard hearts. Hearts that for years have become calloused. People that we see in our lives and we think that person would never change. And God's changing them. God's, he, he's breaking down walls. Walls that people have erected and put in their lives to keep them safe. And now God is taking those down and saying, you don't have to have those ramparts anymore. You don't have to have those those protective barriers anymore. You can let people in. God who is setting captives free, he's opening up the cages so that people can be free, free from addiction, free from slavery, 
free from the slavery of life, of legalism, of shame. But we want a miracle. I want to see God part the Red Sea. You know, I want to see God do something amazing. And here's God's response to me is, don't you know I parted the sea? The chasm between the chasm between you and salvation, you and eternity, I parted those waters for you. I want you to know this. There is no greater sign of God's existence and presence than the metamorphosis that can take place within you. There is no greater sign, there is no greater miracle of God's presence here on earth today than the metamorphosis that can take place within your life. And God is doing that miracle every single day. So if I want to see a sign, I have to open myself up to him. I have to open myself up to his will in my life. Finally, number three, I want you to hear this. The last thing I think that God would say to Gideon is, know that you really don't need proof. Instead, I need you to trust me. I need you to trust me. Uh, we as believers get caught up on truth, uh, excuse me, on proof a lot. We get caught up on proof a lot. You know, we get, it's exciting, it's interesting, we get into archaeological evidences, and we start focusing on these things, but I think at some point we kind of miss the boat with this. Evidences and proof are good, but I want to tell you what the difference between faith and science is. Science is something that can be proven. Faith is something that you believe no matter what. Faith is something you believe no matter what. When I, you know, there are times in my life where I've thought, you know, I really want to get the tape measure out and see if we can get all of those animals into that boat. I just get the tape measure out. Let's figure out if we can make this thing happen. Guys, even if the math doesn't work, you can believe in God. Even if you can't figure it out. By crunching the numbers, you can still believe in God. You can believe that God did it. It's easy to want to make these things work, but I got to tell you that faith exists even if there is no proof. That's what Abraham was noted for. Remember that story of Abraham? It was credited to him as righteousness. Why? Because against all hope, in hope he believed. He looked at his body. His body was as good as dead. There was no proof he could have a kid. Remember this? But he believed anyway. He believed anyway. Man, it feels like things are falling apart, but I still believe. Man, it feels like the world is it's, it's a challenging time, but I still believe. Man, it feels like the church is falling apart, but I still believe. Man, it feels like the world's corrupt, but I still believe. I still believe. I can believe. Why? Because faith is about belief apart from proof. Faith is a certainty of things unseen. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 says. You guys remember Jesus? Jesus is up on, on the temple. Satan is showing him uh, the world, and he takes him to the temple, and, and Satan says, look, you just have the faith to jump off this, 
off this temple. If you have the faith to jump off this temple, God's angels will come and save you. Just have the faith to jump off. And here's God's response, Jesus' response. Thou shalt not put the Lord thy God to the test. In other words, here's what I think he's saying is, true faith doesn't have to jump. True faith doesn't have to jump. You can believe and not jump. You can believe and not have it all figured out. You can believe apart from archaeological evidence. You can believe even whenever it doesn't seem right because you can trust your God. You can trust your God. Like I said before, I have, I've looked at the story of Gideon many, many times in my life. And as I've looked at the story of Gideon, I've always come back to the fact that this is a story about faith, not about proof. This is the first time I've ever taught this sermon, and it's been about proof. But the point of it is this. The story of Gideon isn't a story about proof. It's a story about trusting in God. It's a story about faith. I see this over and over again in the story of Gideon. Remember how the story went? Here Gideon is, and he had tens of thousands of people at at his beck and call. They could go into battle, and God whittled it down to 300. Do you all remember that? And then after he whittled it down to 300, he gave him his weapons for battle, a torch, a jar, and a trumpet, and they go into battle with those. It's amazing as they are destroying the nation, they're crying out a sword for the Lord and for Gideon, and the only people with swords are the bad guys. Y'all remember that story? It says that God can take care of things on his own if you just trust him. You know, my priority in life may be to see a sign, but God has a totally different priority. God's priority is my total reliance on him. So the question is, am I going to rely on him or am I not? Am I going to trust him or am I not? I see Gideon as a very weak man, and here's why I think he's in the Bible, because we are very weak people. Common people need God. And I want you to know God is there for common people. And you can take that to the bank. You can trust that. He will not leave you nor forsake you. You can trust that. If you need anything from this body, we are here to serve you today. You may not come forward here. You may come forward in your seat. And just think about how you want to make these words true in your life. That's up to you. But if you need anything from this body, we're here to serve you as well. Won't you come now as we stand And as we sing together.